Greek gospel, light of the temple. Saw a swing, kill a lie from the ghetto. The hood messenger, let him know hell's close. Black burial, the devil in a black cloak. Yo, what is up? Welcome to the Street Gospel Podcast. I'm your host, Dave One, and this is episode number. Yo, Cam, what episode is this? Episode number 77. If you saw our last episode, we had uh, Pastor Israel Campbell uh, from Flourishing Church in Gardena. Uh, definitely a good one, man. A, a good brother, good story. You know, I was telling Cam, I was telling your mother about this. So I think sometimes when people look at the picture that we post, they kind of judge right off the bat, right? So then right away. But Israel Campbell was hood. I mean, he grew up like tough. And a lot of things that happened to him was like, was pretty jacked up uh so if you haven't seen that podcast check out the last podcast episode 76 uh with israel campbell definitely man inspiring uh dude had like so many things happen to him and he just comes out with a smile every time uh if you're struggling out there check out that podcast man it's definitely a good one but uh we got to get down to business here we we got a guest here and uh i've been following him for a minute and uh you know gotta play a little music here i thought i'd put a little a little gangster, you know, G Funk, West Coast, you know. Uh, it's it's probably after your time, but uh, still, still a little bit, you know, West Coast flavor. But uh, this guy right here, he's a believer. He's a husband, a father. He is a pro referee for boxing and MMA. Uh, he has his own podcast. Him and his wife get on the podcast. They talk about marriage. They talk about relationships. Uh, he's representing for Christ. He represents his old neighborhood. We'll talk a little bit about that. But uh, he's a proud uh, uh, guy from the San Gabriel Valley, La Puente, Bassett area. Uh, definitely uh, God changed his life. But uh, he's here to tell his story, man. We're here to get into it. I want to welcome to the Street Gospel Podcast, Mr. Ray Popeye Corona. Hey, hey, What's you. up, brother? for having me man thanks for coming through man I, I i think that was probably one of the shortest drives you know what yeah, i mean with, with, down the street exactly because we get people from all over the place man and, and sometimes I, f- I feel bad sometimes because people are like man i didn't realize it was that far <laughs> and then i go especially with the gas prices on. especially with the gas prices yeah. man and so i was like all right i th- I, I think he's pretty local yeah. uh i know where his church is at i know where he goes to church at and i i hope he can come through and i was sending some dms here and there and Finally caught you on a, on a good day and uh, hit me up right away, man. So I appreciate you coming through. Oh, thank you, thank you for having me, bro. So you, uh, La Puente Bassett. I prefer it, to say Bassett. Right. Okay. So <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask you about that. So it's funny. It's funny that you say that because uh, there's that. That's that's all kidding aside. That, no, but that's we're, spe- that's we're, specific. We're uh, we were Bassett in the city of La Puente. Right. I. I uh, and then, but you got to be specific, right? Because there's there's uh, some politics involved in there. I, I have friends the same way. Like they're from neighborhood, and it's like, no, this, we're not from the city. This is our neighborhood. This is what it's called, right? So, you grew up in in the Bassett area, man. Yes. Um, in the in the seventies, right? Yes. So this is, uh, I mean, it's still not the greatest area. It's still no. a rough area. That whole area. I'm pretty familiar in that area. Ball Park, Almani. Yeah. Uh, used to attend church in Almani for a long time. I have a lot of friends there. But uh, Bowen Park, uh, La Puente, Bassett, all that area is pretty rough, man. How, how did how did you grow up? 
Uh, you know, I mean, um, I, like I always say, I don't have uh, blood brothers, but I, we grew up in the same household of my cousins, so I call them my brothers, but they were all from the neighborhood, Bassett. So, you know, we just, we all grew up together, you know, pretty much. Yeah, is, is it, uh, were you, uh, <laughs> I would say, were you grandfathered into the neighborhood like you didn't have yeah. no choice, like this is this, this, yeah, this life? It was just, it didn't, it didn't even cross my mind. It was just, uh, it just happened, you know? Cause they, were, they were older, so they were from the neighborhood already, boxing already. So it's just like the gym. We I grew up in the gym, you know. Because my my uh, my parents always said said this when they, when they when they grew up and the, they grew up in the neighborhood, the Florence area. They always Florence, said that yeah. they never they never really went outside their neighborhood, so they didn't really know what was beyond their their yeah. their neighborhood. It was just like their neighborhood. Maybe they take a drive to the beach every now and then. But for for the most part, like you, you just stood in your neighborhood. You didn't go outside of your neighborhood. Well, I mean, uh, for boxing, we did. We we drive to Almani. That's how I met Ben Lira and Almani. You know, so uh, we'd go to the other gyms. But that, yeah, as far as that, you know, I knew no other life but that. You know, it's it's crazy because the the uh, that San Gabriel Valley, it's it's not big. No, but, it's not. But if you look at that area right there, there's a lot of. The fight game, particularly boxing, yeah. is is big there. There was a lot of gyms in that area, yes. and there's a lot of fighters that come out. Of, we were talking about Arnold Barbosa coming out of that area and those guys, but uh, there's a lot of fighters. What, what, what do you think that is? Uh, I I don't know. I, I you know it, it seems like back in the seventies, the the ghetto, the barrios, they had more of the gyms than downtown LA. I mean, they had Main Street gym in downtown LA and the old county jail as well, but. Most of the gyms were like Elmani, uh, Bassett, Puente. Uh, they even had a gym in Ballin Park. But yeah, there, there was a there was a few gyms. I don't I don't know how it just came about, but back in the seventies, more of the ghetto kids were more into the fighting. I, I would think, you know, that's so, again that's where I was raised. So. Did, did you did you get into boxing to learn how to box, or did you get into boxing to learn how to fight in the neighborhood? Well, at, at first it was to fight, and but uh, that, then when I tried boxing, that didn't work out. I wasn't too good, you know what I mean? Maybe that's why I'm a referee now, you know what I mean? You, but uh, but uh, in, in those days, I mean, it, it was mostly about fighting. I mean, yeah. the, the neighborhood nowadays, I mean, it's shooting, unfortunately, getting jumped, well, things mean, like that. But back in those days, it was it was fighting, right? Yeah, I mean, just like when people ask me now, what do you, how do you think of, of today? Well, in my opinion, uh. My days were tougher. Just these days are crazier. More dangerous, right? Yeah, it's more dangerous where back in my days, you know, you'd get off the car to fight and it was maybe 50-50 chance and maybe even lesser of a chance somebody pull out a gun. It was mostly just bats, knives, chains, you know, just ugliness, but it was still fighting, you know, hand-to-hand combat. And you had to know how to fight, you know what I mean? You had to know how to fight. And boxing definitely helped you in the street, you know? Is it is for those out there? I I know the answer to this, but there's there when you learn how to box and when when you learn how to street fight, there's there's a difference there, right? Oh, yeah. yeah, I mean because I think like like in uh, Happy Days, remember Happy Days? Uh, Richie I remember Cunningham, Happy, yeah. Richie Cunningham, Cunningham told his daddy, "I want you to teach me how to fight," and uh, the dad said, "Hey, I taught you how to box." He goes, "But dad, nobody carries boxing gloves." <laughs> <laughs> so with that said. It, it is a big difference, you know. Yeah. There's no rules in the street, obviously. But, but again, if it's a one-on-one combat, the boxer, if he's good, he, he's going to 
He's got to overcome, you know. You have to have some sort of skill. Yeah, you got to have some kind of skill. Yeah, I think uh, I was talking to a friend of mine, and we were talking. I I do jujitsu, so we were uh, we were talking about that, and we were laughing because I think somebody sent us a video. And uh, so the guy's, you know, he has this dude in armbar, and uh, the guy taps. It's a street fight. Oh, okay. Right, and the guy taps, and the guy let him go. And so we were we were kind of cracking up about that. Was like, yeah. I ain't going for the tap. Yeah, you know, exactly. I'm, going, I'm going to break the arm and then take off and leave. Yeah, that's right. So there's no, there's no, there's no tapping out like in in the in the street fight. I think a lot of people think like, uh, you know, if I go to the boxing gym, which is good. If I go to the Muay Thai gym or if I do jujitsu, that I'm ready to I'm ready to get down with anybody in the street. But in reality, there's no rules in the street, no rules, right? I mean, they you, you pick up a brick, you do. <laughs> yeah. People are doing crazy stuff. Yeah, exactly. I mean, but anything, any kind of, I guess, skill helps. But like you say, there's no rules, bro. And, and in the street, it, it can get ugly, you know, it can get real ugly. Yeah, I, I think uh, a lot of pe- parents always ask me, like, you know, hey, should my, my kid should, you know, what should I do? And I always tell them, hey, send them somewhere. Teach them something exactly. so they can defend themselves, you know. They can, and it's not even to, uh, I think people, and, and you could correct me if I'm wrong, is I, I always say, you learn how to fight so you don't have to fight. Yeah, exactly. Right? I, I, and everybody looks at me strange about that. They, they're, they're, they they kind of give me I, side I, eye and I go, it's when you don't know how to fight, you feel like you have to prove something. Exactly. Right? When, and when you can fight, you just kind of go, all right, dog, I'm out. And you just split, right? Yeah. That yeah. makes sense? No, no, it does. I mean, it, w- when you don't know how to fight... Again, you, you tend to be loud and, you know, real talkative and, you know, be loud, make a big front. But when you do know how to fight, you pretty much say, bro, I don't want this. I'm going to walk away. Yeah. Or even if you don't have to say that, you just walk away. But if it happens, it happens. If it, it comes your way, you do what you got to do. And I, I, I had did another podcast and um, they said, what do you think about, about kids getting into gym? And my personal opinion, every father should teach his child to defend himself at a young age. So when they get older, or, or even as they're training, even in fear, right? They will, whatever they're t- being taught, they'll they'll do, you know. Right. And uh, you know, we live in an ugly world, bro. We live in an ugly world, you know, and uh, we need to defend ourselves. You know, even as Christians, um, I, I have five sons, two daughters, and uh, I taught them all to defend themselves. And um, you know. You're not to put hands on me, even though I'm a Christian. You know, walk away at all costs. You know, but yeah. Don't put. You're not going to put hands on me. Yeah. So, so the 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 religious people will tell you, turn the other cheek, brother, and uh, you know, and, and, and do all that. But I, I mean, listen. You know, I'm, I, if I get hit or it's somebody's on. trying to hurt me or hurt my family, it, it's on. That's right. I think people get the wrong. It even says that in our Bible, man. A, a man that doesn't defend his fa- uh, family is. Worthless. Right. And, and, and I tell people this all the time because I'm a big gun advocate, too. And uh, I tell people this, you know, they're like, well, what's up, brother? You, you're you trying to be a Christian and you're into fighting and you're into guns. And, and I always tell them, I'm like, I'm like, look, you know, Peter had a sword on him. That's and the right. Lord told him, grab the sword. He yeah. didn't say grab 15 swords. He, he knew that the roads they had to go on were going to be dangerous. That's right. Now, now Peter had the sword. He pulled it out. <laughs> he was wrong, and the Lord rebuked him. But there was a reason why the Lord yeah. told him, "Hey, grab it's a not sword." The time yet? Yeah, not the time. Like this is my yeah, time. This exactly. is what's supposed to happen. But leading up to that time, I think the Lord was probably like, 
it can happen on the road there, yeah, but yeah. you know, so be ready. But I, I, I think I don't think there's nothing wrong with being ready, with being ready and and having some sort of skill, whether it's boxing, Muay Thai, Jiu Jitsu, just That's something right. that will say I can protect my family. Because a lot exactly. of a lot of young people nowadays don't even know the basics. I mean, it, it's crazy that you say that. Uh, I I remember one time I came out of the gym. This is a few years back, and I seen a bunch of little cholitos outside. I'm like, wait, why don't you guys come in? You know, I'm trying to encourage them to come into the gym. So I I figure, hey, in case you guys have to get busy in the street, you you know, you learn how to fight. And one of the youngsters said, fight. I'll just get a gun. Eh? It really kind of broke my heart. And the sad part about it, years later, that kid got shot seven times. Wow. That, that one kid that said that. He lived, though. But, um, you know, this is why I say nowadays we, a kid's more more uh, more quick to pick up a gun than to just to handle it from the shoulders, you know. Which is crazy. I, I, I think there's a... I feel bad for these youth because a lot of them are yeah. just out of, out of fear they grab the gun yeah. because I think even if they do fight, they feel like that person's going to come back yeah. again. And there's no, I'm sure in your day, it was like, we got down, shake hands, right. we go our separate ways. Yeah. For, right? A lot of times, a lot of times. I think now it's kind of like it, it, they're coming back. <laughs> so yeah. They're going to come back and, and, and want to do something a little bit more dangerous. I think because maybe it's, maybe it's social media. You know what I mean, and and you, you get especially if you get dropped and it's filmed, right? And oh, yeah, and then no. it then it's on, right? Um, I, I saw. I, uh, I, I at the same time, I think it's the way uh, the kids are being raised nowadays as yeah. well. You know, I mean, uh, just the little league where I live, you know, Rialto, they they give everybody a trophy there. Everybody losing <laughs> team, and winning team. You know what I mean? Same size. I mean, you, what are you teaching that child? You know, you that know? everybody wins. And you know what? To be a strong leader, to be a strong man, even or even a female, you got to know how it is to lose, you know. Yeah. And uh, when all these kids are being treated the same way, equal, and, and that can go on to other issues too. But then they grow up, they go get a job, and the boss tells them, "Hey, no," or "You're fired." They're like, "What?" Yeah. And now they want to come back and hurt everybody in the room. You know? They don't. Just, they don't never have no disappointment, and they don't know how to deal right. with disappointment or disappoint. deal with a, a loss. Right. Exactly. Some some of the the best lessons are, are through losses. That's right. You lose something, you're like, man, either you're going to get better, you know, or, or train harder. That's right. Or, or, or something. There's there's something to be learned from every loss, you know. But if you're a winner for everything, what's going to happen yeah. when you finally take that L as yeah. an adult? You're going to you're not going to be able I, to take it. I always clown. Uh, uh, I've had a lot of street fights, but I probably lost more than I've won. But mm. man, it, it just... And th- this is what I think matured me. And as I got older, and said, "Hey, you got to chill out, man. You're losing too much, you know." <laughs> so I, it's like it chilled out because for a while there, I was like, especially when I got a youth authority, I was real like, I was just acting stupid, you know. Yeah. And I finally got chin checked, and like, wow, I'm not as tough as I thought I was, you know. It's a. Uh, are you are you one of the guys that that will fight anybody back in your day? Like, oh, yeah. W- yeah. See, oh, see, yeah. I hate those dudes because. <laughs> Because yeah. those dudes, you're gonna have to put them down yeah. all the way down. Like, there's something about that those guys that are just like, they don't care. I don't know what's yeah. it, the makeup, the, the the way they're built. Well, kind of depends be. who it was as, as well. You know, if, if it was an enemy, you know, you're gonna have to take me down, bro. I'm not gonna give in, you know. But if it was just something in the street, but then again, thank God I, I didn't lose any of those. It was when I fought an enemy, you know, they just can't lose bro you can't lose and when i did lose it it really uh, 
Yeah. <laughs> struggle, man. I struggle, bro. You remember the losses more than you yes. the wins, right? Yes, yes. So yeah. when did you first start boxing? Oh, probably eight or nine years old. Who took you to the gym? My brothers. They took you to the gym. And, My brother and Willie and Peter. Were they older? Yes. So so yeah, were you getting were beat up by them? Oh, uh, my brothers weren't weren't really bullies, but um, you know they. My brother Willie was kind of like a nut in the family, and he he would just straight out say, "If if somebody messes you, you better fight back, or you're gonna get it from me." You know. Mm. So that's the way we were raised, and the same with my two younger ones. You know, I told them the same thing. You know, but uh, we didn't get really bullied. You know, but I've been bullied before, and and that's another thing. I'm not saying bullying is right, but you know what? It builds character. Yeah. When somebody bullies you and you fight back, in my opinion, most of the time, bullies don't look for fights. They look for victims. So True. when you when you put a stop to it, win or lose, they, they tend to like even want to be your friends the next day. Right. Now, mind you, if there's two or three of them, all right, somebody's got a butt in A, stop. But it's a one-on-one. That, that builds character, man. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, the bully problem in school is, is, is horrible. Yes. But there's only one way to stop that. That's right. Right? If, That's right. if you put the stop to it where this kid That's knows right. how to defend himself, there ain't going to be very many bullies anymore. That's right. So I, I think that's I think that's true. That's, that's, a, that's a great well. point. So you go to the gym, you start training, and the gym didn't keep you out of trouble, right? No. When did you start getting into a little bit of trouble? Um, well, I mean, um, that goes to my testimony. I had a uh, – my mom was um, – May she rest in peace. She's she's in heaven now. She was a Christian, but uh, she was very promiscuous. And uh, I just seen stuff that a little boy didn't need to see, you know. But anyways, when she finally passed, which is three years ago, she was 91 years old. Um, wow. She made peace with me, and uh, and it surprised me. Very prideful woman uh, on her deathbed. I, My wife, I love Arlene, my wife, you know. Um, she kept saying, you got to visit your mom because I was – totally out of touch with my mom i wouldn't visit her or nothing like that but anyways she was dying natural causes 91 years old so i went to her deathbed and you know i tried to act like nothing and and she was literally like a skeleton and she just said hey hey Mio, i just want to tell you uh, i'm sorry for being a bad mom you know mm. and you don't know i was already serving god at the time and you don't know how much that lifted um you know it just made peace in my heart and i i told her too you know i'm, I'm sorry mom for being a bad son you know and, but with that um growing up seeing that stuff i shouldn't seen her being with men it just you know i mean so you know i took it out in the street and then seeing my brothers fighting in the street and mind you in the 70s there was a lot of tough families in bassett but mine was one of them and my brother willie was a notorious street fighter and uh so my brother Peter followed his steps. I tried to follow his steps, but I had a little bit more losses than them, you know. But I think now, and this is to be humble, you know, 20 years ago I would have been bragging, but now I'm just saying it wasn't that I was a good fighter. <laughs> it wasn't that I was a good fighter. It was just my willingness to fight. Yeah, see, that's and the that's thing. Where, yeah. I mean, sometimes guys would, you know, like, hey, Popeye, come on, chill out, man. You that's know? that's even those, though those they are the knew, guys. Those even are the guys that knew, I hate. Like, I'll touch you up, right? <laughs> but, like, stop. Bro, I don't want to fight with you. Right. And that's just the way way it was, you know. So fighting got into more trouble, getting into the vario. I got into Bassett and at 12 years old. So the the first day that we got jumped in, we had to go to the other side. You know, I won't mention names because I don't want to be disrespectful. But we had to go to the other side. And um, 
you know, fight. And that's exactly what we did. And because I won that one, it just set a, a fire under me, you know. Man. So was your was the way the things that you saw from your mother and the way she treated you what, what, did that fuel some fire for the yeah. neighborhood and and just for maybe maybe even violence yeah it just um again she was promiscuous and i seen stuff that a, a little boy shouldn't see and you know it just it hurt me and, and then after she'd come out and and beat us and tell us you know i got to do this because of you guys mm. And she even treated my older sister worse than me, you know. So, you know, it just, it does things to you, you know. And um, I found the neighborhood, you know, being amongst the homeboys, you know. And, you know, the same story, I feel want, uh, feel like a like their brotherhood be because my brothers were from the neighborhood. It just was a big, fun group, you know what I mean? So, and from there came uh, Boys Home, Juvenile Hall, Youth Authority, and then prison. And it just, uh, it wasn't until I got right with God that, that I seen, I look back, I seen what, what what was what was fueling all that, you know. Do you, do you, did you ever find out what maybe happened to your mother that made her that way? You know, like later, like as you got you get older, you mm-hmm. kind of learn things about your parents, and you're like, wow, like that was that was rough. You know what? Um, looking back now, you know, I think I think she was just trying to survive and feed us, you know, and and she was a very attractive, beautiful woman, so she used that to her advantage, but. She uh, she had issues, obviously, and, and she'd go from one relationship to the other. I think she was married five, six times, not to mention the boyfriends between the time. And um, she used, you know, that lifestyle to, to feed us. And this is where I think this is why she'd come out. And she'd feel ashamed and start beating on us. It's because of you guys. I have to do this. So she was just trying to feed us. So, and that's what happened. I remember one time she beat me so bad. And, and mind you, in the 70s, you could beat your kid in the market and nobody would do nothing. Right, it, right. You know, your neighbor can whip you for being disrespectful. And the mom, another mom would say, all right, you had it coming. So she had whipped me and beat me so bad. And I was already like in kindergarten because I told one of the guys she was with, he was playing around with me and I told him, and he said, hey, that's enough. I don't want to play no more. And I told him, hey, my mom's other boyfriend's nicer than you. And he, when she came home, man, he told her and left. And she beat me senseless, bro. And then had the audacity to send me to school the next day. So when I went to school, all I remember, the police bringing me to the office. And uh, they took me away. Wow. And, um, and, you know, looking back again, she must have beat me bad, bro, because... Back in those days, again, you could hit, beat your kid and nobody would say nothing. You know? Right. So for them to take me in the 70s, that, I go, man, she must have really whooped me bad, you know. And she always made it feel like it was our fault. And maybe it was, you know, that I shouldn't have said that, but you don't beat a child like that, you know. And uh, the sad part about it, when they were taking me away, though, I was crying and uh, she didn't she didn't even bat an eye. She just looked at me like, you know, man. that's just the way it is, you know. That's ru- this that's rough man. Uh, yeah. I think uh do, do you have peace with with that now? Yeah, with, I do. Cuz I I I I talk to people and sometimes that's all they wanted at the end. You know what I mean? And, and your mother was 90, you know, and passed away, but that sorry at least yeah, gave you so, like I I mean a little bit of closure. Would you oh, say? I, a lot of closure because again prior I had just called when I I, stir, I first became a Christian. I'm 60 now. I first became a, a, 
I would like to think walking right with God, I haven't arrived yet, and I never will until I see God, but I really got down on my knees when I was 45, and after that, I must have been 10 years. I would call my mom maybe once a year because she was very uh, prideful, very, you know, I'm not going to apologize for nothing, and I I really wasn't looking for an apology. But anyways, uh, when she was on her deathbed, my wife kept saying, hey, you're a Christian, you need to go see her. You know, you need to make peace with her. I go, she's not going to make peace with me. She goes, well, it don't matter what she does. It's matter what you do. Mm-hmm. So when I went, again, it just surprised me that she even said that. You know, Mijo, I'm sorry for being a bad mom. She never apologized to to me or my sisters, you know. So, yeah, it, it made a 100%. It just made, it took just took all that hatred and anger. And uh, I thank God, you know, that. That she made peace with me. And again, I made peace with her because I wasn't a saint either, you know. And one time she, she her thing was controlling. And uh, I was already 5'10 when I was in the seventh grade. And um, I had just got out of camp and I came back to school. And she told me, hey, when you get home out of school, you come straight home. So she couldn't physically beat me no more, you know, because I was just too big, you know. But anyways, I was walking home with, like, two homeboys and, like, 15 girls. It was a lot of girls, you know. And, you know, at that age, you're trying to impress. And I mean, I just trying got to be out cool, of, man. Trying to be cool, you know. And I, I just got out of camp. So I was amongst the homeboys. I was one of the main guys. So I'm walking home. And, 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 you know, I knew my mom told me to come home. So she comes driving up. She gets out of the car, bro, and she sees me in front of all my friends and the girls. She gets out and starts whipping me, man. I mean, just whipping me in the street. And you know what? It hurted, but because I had to be cool, I just giggled. And the more I giggled, the more she whipped me. Mm. She whipped me. And, and you know what? It wasn't the whipping. It, it was the embarrassment. I just, oh, I took that to heart, bro. You know, I took that to heart. But but being a single mom, that's the way she treated me and my sisters and even my cousins because that's how she controlled us, divide and conquer. You know, you tell me where he's at. You tell me where she's at. And, and that's how it is. So looking back now, that just... That was her ways, you know, and but embarrassing me really, uh, it took something, you know, and after that, I kind of just like that much more. I stood away from her, you know, did you think that everybody life was like that? Because I, I, I talk to people and, they, and they're like, they, they, they might go visit like a friend's house yeah. and they see like a mom, a dad, yeah. they're having dinner. And it's like, wait, this is how people really live. This is uh-huh. the, the Brady Bunch is real. Huh. You know what I mean? Like it, it, what, what's going on? Did you did you think that was normal? Uh, my side? Yeah. Uh, I knew some of my friends got hit too, but they had moms and dads, you know. But uh, I knew there was it wasn't right what she was doing. I knew it wasn't right what she was doing. But um, I, I knew families that were good, and I knew some families that were just as bad, you know. Because, again, in the 70s, I'm even older than you, brother. In the 70s, you know, ask your dad. You, you could literally slap your child in the market or, or spank them, and nobody would give it a second thought. Oh, yeah. Um, I was that kid. No, right. I'm <laughs> there you go. You know? Well, we're we're a lot closer than you think. If uh-huh. we, if we, but yeah, yeah, you're you're you would probably be in the middle between my dad and me. All I'm right. I'm 49, still so. youngster, still, bro. Y'all look at this guy, yeah, man. You, you were still fighting when you were 49 yeah, in the street. That's right. Eh? <laughs> Looking for a fight. Yeah, but yeah, it's it was uh, it's crazy because um, it, man, that when you think about parents, you know, me and my wife always talk about this. Like we. You know, and I tell my kids, what you what you don't like about me, then you change it for your kids. You know, That's and right. I, I've tried to do my best. We we've been believers our whole life, 
you know, and so, uh, but I did, I do remember my dad in, you know, in the early years in the neighborhood doing things and family members that were like that. And they, they thankfully came to the Lord, you know, yeah. but their life, I look at their life and I was like, as I get older and I'm like, man, this is, they grew up hard, you know, my father-in-law and, you know, and, and, and my mother-in-law grew up in Watts and stuff. And it's just like, their lives were, it was, it was bad so when when my when my kids say their life's that's a bad, rough part of town wow yeah too. yeah when they when they say their my, my kids say their life's bad or they have it tough then i have, to remind, I have to remind them sometimes they don't do it no more they realize but you know what we did yeah. we would take them over there and show them yeah, where yeah. they were our parents grew up and how and how they grew up we were always been transparent about that because yeah. i always felt like they had to know like yes and, yes. and it wasn't just you know what we did it was what the lord did in our life you know what That's i mean right. like look at where how far we've come in two generations it's 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 come a long way and thankfully the lord saved us because look look at the trajectory where we were yeah. going we were going nowhere you know exactly. i'm pretty sure you you probably think the same thing for your kids and your grandkids yes i mean I, one thing i do know and I, my best advice to give to any young parents excuse me um your kids will do as you do not as you say yep and I had this, you know, again, I have five boys, two girls, and it, it, it scares me now because my boys are kind of like me, and uh, they've been in a few street fights, and I keep saying, you're not in my days, you know, you got to change this attitude, you know, and my one son said, dad, we've seen you fight before, you know, I, I've gotten in a fight twice in front of my boys, and I regret it now because they've gotten in fights, and I tell them, you got to stop that, man. You know what? You're, you're somebody's gonna take you out, because especially they know all my sons fought, and especially they know that if you're a boxer, they're just gonna eliminate you. You know, so I, I see that now. They don't do as you say; they do as you do. You know, and that that's a that was a big wake up call. And there's a lot of things I same with my daughters. You know, so yeah, uh, my best advice is is uh, if you're gonna preach it, you gotta walk it. You know what I mean? Right. I think I think the good thing, and I think. You sh- I don't know if you shared this. On- I heard you on another podcast, but I think one of the things that I liked about you is that you you admitted you weren't a good father in the in the early oh, years, and I- and I think a lot of people are not willing to say, you know, hey man, I sucked in the early years, and I- but I made a change because I think they think their kids, uh, you know, you're 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 your kid's father till the day you die. That's right. Right. So if you lived the first 15, 20 years of their life and you were a horrible dad and a horrible example, but the remainder 20 years, you you made the change. I think in the end, they're probably going to remember the change that you made. They're going to remember the the, the yeah. initial stuff, the early stuff. But I think they're going to say, but there was a point in time where, where my dad made a change. And from then on out, he was a good man. I think that's I think a lot of people just go. Well, I sucked as a dad. It's just, that's just the way it is. Maybe your mom mm-hmm. for a lot of years, maybe just said out of, out of bitterness, out I, of pride just to say, I'm not going to, I'm not going to make the change. And, and, and to me, that's pride. And there, you know, God hates pride, bro. And uh, I just seen another podcast the other day. I forget who it was, man. but he says our, in our sons and our children's eyes, the first 10, 15 years were their heroes. And then in the middle of their lives were their villains. Because we're telling them, hey, you can't do this, you can't do that. And then in the last part of your life, as they had grow up adults, is like, hey, my dad's not perfect. And I'm not either. And, you know, I love this man for what he's done. I'm hoping my my sons are t- saying now, you know what? 
my dad's a love, you know, he fears God. He loves us. And, um, and I, I hope they see me as that, you know? Yeah. I think, I, I think that's key, man. I think a lot of, a lot of people that made maybe some mistakes in their, in their parenting, uh, could see that and say, Hey man, like I, I can make a change. Like well, yeah. I can show my kids. I think a lot of parents, especially men, fathers, they, they give up. They, they, they say, I'll just, oh, I'll never give up. Yeah. Bro. I mean, I, I, my oldest son is 40, Ray Jr. And, um, he's had great life experience crazier than mine. He was in the war, two tours in Iraq, mm-hmm. infantry. And you know what? He's seen stuff that I've never even seen. And, and you know what? I still call him today and I still kiss him today. And I, all my children, you know, and am I a perfect father? Far from it. But one thing I can say is I, I talk to them godly and I give them godly advice and I, I I'm their father before I'm their friend. And that's the best fa- advice I can give to any man is uh, be their be their their father, you know, before you're their friend, and then and then it mixes together as as they get older, you know. Yeah, it's good stuff, man. Let's go back a little bit. So, going back to the to you getting in trouble, going to youth authority. What, what was that like in those days, man? Oh, those were my gladiator days, bro. <laughs> I gotta brag on that. I, you know what? Because youth authority was uh, back in the eighties and and. Mostly all the 80s. And, kill or be early. killed. Yeah. Pretty much. It was all toe-to-toe, too. There was no knives, no... Especially in YTS. When you went to YTS, that was like the Pelican Bay of the 70s. That was like Pelican Bay of of uh, Youth Authority. Excuse me. And uh, when you hit YTS, you, you pretty much arrived. But it was all fisticuffs there, you know? And I lost a few and, and, and won, won a lot there. Who who are you fight? You fighting other Hispanics? You fighting blacks? You fighting white? You fighting everybody? Well, I I could say it now, and that's no disrespect. If anything, I'm giving them credit. You know, Puente was our arch enemies, and and mind you, in San Gabriel Valley, uh, and, and some of the the other barrios, they go to school with each other, so they were like, "Hey, I'll see you after school." But in San Gabriel, we we all have our own school, so when we see each other, it was just automatically on. So there was no, "Hey, I'll see yeah. you later." It was just on. So. In youth authority, it was the same thing. You know, you you ran into them, it, it was on. You know, but uh, my biggest uh, to toot my own horn is um, I got socked up by Danny Maya from Puente, and I always give him credit because he deserved <laughs> it. Danny Maya from Puente, Rama Street. Um, he gave me just an old fashioned whooping. You know, toe to toe, we went at it. I must have hit this guy with everything, bro, and he just walked right through it. You know, but two weeks later. You know, I, I'm I'm still you know walking with pride. You know, hey, I, I fought him, I lost. And two weeks later, I'm in the kitchen, and one of his homeboys comes in and starts telling me, you know, when I get a chance, it's I'm gonna f you up and this and this and that. And here comes Danny, going through the chow hall, and I'm telling him, you know, well, when I see you, you know, when we get to trade line or whatever, you know, you know where I'm at, we're gonna handle it. And Danny tells him, hey, yes, sir. He tells his homeboy, he goes, watch out, that fat bottle could fight. You know what I mean? So I don't know if that was a uh, disrespectful, uh, yeah. Uh, you know, I, even though he, he said that fat bot took a fight, he, he it was a double double right. sided coin. You know, he gave me a compliment. Is that a compliment then, or not a compliment? Yeah, you know what I mean? Because I was always a chubby guy, eh? So, but because through all the boxing, and I looked at him like I didn't know whether to say thank you or f you. You know what I mean? But yeah, that was YTS was a, a rough rough place. Long. How long were you there? I was there three years. Oh, three years. Yeah. Is that was that your formidable years? Like was that like mid teens where you just? Uh, I got there when I was sixteen, and I didn't leave till I was like eighteen. Yeah, you went straight straight back to the neighborhood. Oh yeah, man. I was like 
I felt like I was God's gift to to gangbang, you know. So, so explain to people out there when you go when you go to to, to jail to prison, YTS. When you go to those and you come back out to to the neighborhood, it it's unfortunately it's like a badge of honor, right? Oh yeah, you you get on street street. I guess they call it now street credit, street credibility. You know, you're you're one of the fellas. You're you're, you're respected. Um, you're held with respect, and then especially if they hear good things. Uh, where I got the pluses is where I, I had two older homeboys that were actually uh, counselors in YTS, so they would always go out and brag about me, you know. So I, I had that credit already getting out, you know. And we're a small neighborhood; we're surrounded by enemies. So when you go to youth authority or prison, you're you're surrounded by minimum. When I was in Solid Dad, there was thirty one guys, thirty one enemies on on the yard. And I was the only one in my particular yard. That's how much there's Puente, Flores, Bone Park, you know, all. And they all get along. They don't get along now, but in those days they did. Oh, so. they all got along back in those oh, days? Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, so it was like. So they had a common enemy, which was yeah, Bassett? Bassett. Wow. Because they, they're all surrounding us. To get to each other, they got to go through us. And that's where all the problems would happen. So <laughs> this it, was, like, it was rough. This is bro. like the Warriors. Yeah. Have you seen that movie? Yeah. The Warriors, oh, yeah. <laughs> it, it was rough, bro. Sheet, it was rough, man. you know. It took a. I'm not gonna lie. Even though I had some some good fights in youth authority, there was times I don't want to go out to the yard. You know, I can admit that now. You know, as an older man, but you'd go out to the yard and it just was nonstop. If it was in Ballroom Park, it was Puente. If it wasn't Puente, it was Flores. Um, you know, and then they'd have allies that they'd want to get on board. You know, so it, it was rough, bro. It was rough. You know, a lot of people come in here, and and, and not even in here, but uh, I shouldn't say they come in here, but uh, a lot of people go on podcasts, and it's a big thing now. You probably see everywhere. It, it, it's kind of like the neighborhood, and it's not about being proud of where you come from. It's almost like a prideful thing where it, it's it's a little braggadocious. Yes. It's something to brag about, right? And, and they go in there, and they make they. And they almost glamorize that life a little bit, right? It's like, oh, I went here and this, and everybody was a star on the yard. Every, you know nobody, I mean? nobody took no losses, right? Nobody, That's nobody true. was afraid, you know, to come out, you know. And so everybody's like bragging all the time, bro. And I'm, I'm just like, and I'm like, I wish somebody would just say like the truth, like, yeah, I took some L's. Yeah, I was afraid to come. Yeah, I was yeah. beat up, and yeah, I got, I got jacked up because everybody's like, I did this, I did that, and I, and I'm always like, that's not. That's not That's the not, reality, and maybe if and we maybe, can't, and we shouldn't glorify it either. Yeah. You know, and, and you're right. On my pack, podcast, and I, you know, when you asked me to be on here, I was honored because you don't glorify that either. And, and this is where I think we shouldn't glorify, and, and as Christians, we shouldn't brag, turn our testimonies into bragamonies. You know, because again, there's a lot of cowards in prison. There's a lot of cowards in the neighborhood. And there's a lot of tough guys in the neighborhood. And there's a lot of tough guys in prison. But you know who's a tough guy? That, that guy that's serving God, going to work every day and supporting his family. Because like Kilroy said, you know, it takes a bigger man to get up every morning, go to, go to work, feed his family, do the right thing. Anybody can pick up a gun, go rob and steal. Or, or, you know, and this is why going back to what you're saying about losses and, and being afraid. I was a lot of times I was afraid, bro. A lot of times I was afraid. And you know what? I will never lie or exaggerate because I know I got homeboys that really know me. So when if I come up here and say, oh, I did this, I did that, I did, like, come on, homes, you didn't do that, eh? And, and you know what? I'm not a killer. I've never taken nobody's eye, and I thank God for that. 
So you're never going to hear me say, oh, yeah, I killed this vato. I stabbed that vato or this guy. When, when I hit Soledad, bro, I was petrified. I was terrified. How old were you when you went to Soledad? 18. I was three months out of youth authority. When you walk into Soledad, bro, it's five tiers high. I just like, I don't know if I wanted to do this after all. You know what I mean? And, and the reality is not like like the movies where, where where Popeye goes up to the baddest dude and fires him up and nobody messes with you, right? That's There's, there's no fighting in there, bro. Right. I, hey, the first day I was in Soledad, I got stabbed. The first day, I wasn't even on there an hour, bro. You you, you talk about, about being a, afraid. <laughs> talking about a wake up call, right? Brother. I like, hey, I almost wanted to raise my hand, like, whoa, 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 let's let's make a rewind here. Sure. I didn't sign Can up we, for this. You I, know what I mean? Don't do I get the one week orientation yeah, here? Yeah, something, man. But it just, I like, who wow. stabbed you? Why did they stab you? Well, I when I went to the reception center in Chino, uh, some guy had some smut on it. I don't even know what it was. Anyways, I got, I was in the reception center with the homeboy. He left some drugs on on his pillow. He was getting paroled in a week. So when the cops came in and found the drugs, you know, he's going home. I still had three-year sentence. I go, you know, they were my drugs. They're not his. I straight out said that. Go home, bro. Go home, homeboy. So they threw me in the hole. Anyways, when I got to the hole, a big shock collar was the tear tender, which he's the one that, that sweeps and everything. And he, he comes up to me and they had the old time cells, you know, bars. And he straight up walks up to me and says, Hey, Popeye, he already knew my name, knew me. I didn't know who he was. He goes, you're going to Soledad. I seen your transfer papers. You're going to Soledad. When you get there, you let everybody know this guy's no good. This guy's literally standing like five feet away from us. Just the guy he's him. telling us. Yeah. I mean, he's saying this he's guy's saying, no good. He's telling right in front of his face. Yeah. Right in front of his face. The guy's not even saying, it. he's just looking at me. And I just like, you know, he was a youngster like me, 18 years old. I think we were 18, 19. Man. And I just like, all right. So you're, you're in the mix. I'll, I'm in the mix, right? Well, I ain't going to say who he was, but you probably know who he was, that guy that was sweeping the tear. But anyways, so, you know, no problem. You know, me being a youngster, gangbanger, I'm, oh, man, I, I, got, I got orders. You know what I mean? Wow. So I, I get to Soledad. This guy, I went on a Wednesday. This guy got shipped out on a Monday. So he got there on a Monday. I got there on a Wednesday. About three in the afternoon, I come walking out with my clothes. They tell me what tier I'm in. And the first person I see walking out to the yard is this guy that I'm supposed to tell that he's no good. So, you know, I, so you he's know, he, already waiting. Yeah, he's waiting. He's looking at me, mad dog. He's with like six, seven dudes. And, uh, you know, I, I didn't think nothing. I, you know, I kind of mad dogged him. And uh, looking back or, or f- days later, I found out they obviously told him, you need to hit him before he goes and tells, pulls your covers. Whoa. So that's exactly what happened. He came up to me and just he hit me. He hit me with a welding rod in the back of my neck and in the elbow. I was like, I was in shock. I like me get stabbed. First you know, day. First day. <laughs> and then the guys from San Gabriel Valley, Dang. guys from Puente and Belinda Flats, they come up to me. What's your problem? I said, what'd you get hit for? You know, they're ready to hit me. And I'm saying, hey, I got a message to tell so-and-so, and, I, you know, I don't like to get into that, to tell the main guy that this guy's no good. So I'm bleeding like a stuck pig. They didn't care. You know, it's an ugly world. They just go, all right, go tell him. So I went over there, and I told him, hey, this guy, I was told by so-and-so that this guy's no good. So he comes back to me, and he finds out, well, you got stabbed, so why did he stab me? I go, well, obviously, he's trying to get me from telling the message, man. 
this whole time man. I want to say, can I go to the hospital? Yeah. Can I do somebody help me here? Nobody cared, man. Nobody cares. It's a bunch of lions. Just, yeah. Just, you know what I mean? So, anyways, make a long story short, he goes, you know what? That big shot caller says, you, you're going to live, man. Relax. My, in the meantime, my neck's swelling up like a big pig here. So, I go to my tier. A couple of like, southerners, you know, tend to me, you know. They asked some medical guy that worked in the medical to bring me back a tetanus shot. So they gave me a tetanus shot, but I kept bleeding through the night, you know, not bad, just constant drip. Anyways, uh, the Southerners from that tier came up to me and say, hey, if you don't handle this in the morning, we're going to handle you. So I, I took that very disrespectful in the same time, you know, like, you know, I'm going to handle it, but don't threaten me like that, you know. So I had it from both sides and I had a choice to either lock it up or do what I had to do. So the next morning, this what, what do you mean by lock it up for the people out there? Well, lock it up. I could have told the, the cops, Hey, I've been stabbed. And but then they you're done. You're done. They would have locked me down. And if I didn't tell, they would have kept me in protective custody. And I go, no, I, I take it back. They wouldn't have kept me. I never was in protective. They would have just said, you're going to the hole. And then you're going to go to protective custody. And that wasn't an option, you know, because of my brothers, because of my neighborhood, because of my pride. Cause you wouldn't be able to go back. No, I wouldn't be able to go back. And um, so the next morning, I went out to the yard, and this fool was waiting for me, man. This fool was like, bring it on, man. So you know what? Um, I brought it on, and I did what I had to do. Almost almost took his life. Mm. You know, but thank God, six months later, he, he, he lived. He went to the hospital, but he lived. But I attacked him. At the same time, it, within a week, I came back out on the yard, and I was, like, held with the utmost respect. So it kind of like wow this is the life you know but but within weeks i seen it was like i said it's just a bunch of lions just everybody you're you, just you, waiting you don't have no friends right there's no you, friend, you, you have a like nobody's your true friend you're yeah. always constantly watching your back no matter what you do right that's right because what you, you did what? yesterday was yesterday that's what today right. is a new day and, and another guy another story is going to come another stabbing's going to happen and and you could be running with your best friend on the yard, you know, supposedly your best friend, and if you're told to be to take care of him, you're going to do it. And if you don't do it, you're going to get taken care of, you know. And I didn't like that. I was used to youth authority where, hey, you know, let's get him up, let's fight. We fought, hey, I beat him down, he beat me down, whatever the case. And that was it. But here they were playing for keeps. Mm. And I just wasn't, I wasn't, uh, that, again, uh, not to, I don't want to brag or anything, but that just never interests me to take somebody's life, even the enemy, you know? Even though there was a lot of killing happening in the 80s, it, it just didn't interest me to take somebody's life, you know? What do you think that was? I don't know. I don't know, bro. I, I didn't know the Lord, so it couldn't be in that, but I think now God had a plan. Got a plan for God you. God had yeah. a plan because my new, my brother, older, my older brother Peter, uh, did 35 years straight. 35 years. years straight. I can't even imagine that, bro. He did 35 years like straight for murder. Lifetimes. Yeah, for a murder. And then he got more involved in there. And uh, he finally got out, thank God. And and you wouldn't even know he spent a day in jail. He's serving God and just working, you know. But uh, it just didn't, killing didn't interest me, you know. Killing just didn't interest me. So when you, when you go to the prison, real prison, yeah. and, you're, and you're there... What is your, I mean, did anybody give you any advice? Did anybody say, hey, Papa, when you get there, this is what you have to do, or this uh, is how you have to act? Are you just figuring it out as you go? 
No, I mean, it, it's kind of a... I so this think, di- it's different than county jail and white... T- it's different than all that. When you go there, it's 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 a whole other ballgame, right? In a, in a sense, still the same people call the shots from the county to there. You know, it's the same thing. There's only one one element that the Southerners listen to, and I won't even speak on that, but they call the shots, and you're going to do as they say. And if you don't do it, you're going to get taken care of. And, and, you know, being 18, fresh out of youth authority, I... I was like, hey, I'm good. I've arrived, you know. But then getting stabbed the first 45 minutes I was there, I was like, whoa, wait up here. I didn't plan this one, you know. That's crazy. Too. That, yeah. I don't think I've ever. And, and I'll be honest, bro. Heard was, that before. I was terrified. I was petrified. I think I was more pet, uh, scared that I was going to die because the way my neck got so swollen and uh, I thought I was going to get an infection. But then I knew. When I had to take care of this issue the next morning, I thought to myself, walking out there knowing I'm going to attack another human that way, I thought to myself, if I take his life and I get caught for it, I'm going to do the rest of my life, which my brother was already doing 15 to life, which I didn't want. Wow. It's fun when you get it, when you get arrested, come out, you're, you know, you're the cool vato with the girls, you're the cool homeboy. That's fun. You know, that stupid lifestyle was fun. But him being down 35 years, I just, that wasn't me. You know, where's the fun in that, you know? There, there, there's a lot of people that, that can't live without that life. Thank God for you, you, your brother Peter found his, changed his life. God changed his life. He found direction. But there's a lot of guys that do a lot of time and then they get out and they're, 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 they just can't live out here. I can't, you know what, brother? I just can't. And, 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 to me, and, that and some people be, say they're institutionalized. No, let's just on, be bro. men. They're, 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 even if you, say, <laughs> I don't, that's what my brother I, said. I, I want to. He know, goes, "I'm done with that life. Yeah, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to deal with it." And 35 years straight, 12 of those last, his last two years, he was in San Diego. But 12 of the last before the last years were in Pelican Bay. 12 years, bro. Which is the worst? Is the worst because you're locked down 23 hours a day. And if something's happening, you'll be locked down for two, three days because something's happening. You know? How do you not go insane? You know what I mean? And, and, and mind you, funny story. Uh, after the stabbing in Soledad, uh, we got into a fight with some northerners, you know. No disrespect to them. Some northerners, we all went to the hole. So they gave us a 40-day stench in the hole. I was there 43 days, bro. I was banging on the cell. Hey, man, did you guys forget about me? Let, you know, let me out. Now, mind you, what is the whole like? You're just sitting in there, bro, doing nothing, doing nothing. And the crazy part about it, uh, that was in Tatchby. And the crazy part about that, it's the old time cells. Now they have doors with the little windows, but in the hole there, it was just old time cells. And when you get an hour out on the tier, your, your enemies are literally walking up and down. And you're literally talking to them about football, about, about boxing and and but yet you know, if this gate opens, I gotta attack you or vice versa, you know. And, and I just thought that was funny. What a crazy life! It, man. You know, you're it, you're literally that close away, and you're just talking about life, bro. But you know, if this gate opens, I gotta attack you. But but again, going back to being in the hole, it just stressed me out, you know. And, and then I can't even imagine my brother being in Pelican Bay twelve years like that. That drive me bananas bro but but they actually said that pelican bay is there to break you and, and i know it would have broken me wrong because i just i wasn't a good guy doing time though you know <laughs> i just uh 
I was that dumb guy that always had a calendar in his wall. You know what I mean? Nobody wants to see a you, calendar. You count, counting the days to get out? <laughs> counting the days, you know. How much time did you end up doing your, your whole life? Total from the kid at about 13 years. 13 years. Yeah. That's nothing. Nowadays, you got guys doing way more than that. But but going back to what you're saying, I don't believe, in my opinion, I don't believe, um, oh, I'm institutionalized. No, you either choose, you know, you choose. I, I have a couple, two homeboys that, that got out doing 10, 15 years, and they were big hitters, you know. And they've been out 10, 11 years, and they, they don't even go to the neighborhood. I, I see them every now and then. I talk to them on the phone, but they just go, I'm done with that life, bro. Yeah. So what what about them? Right. You know what I mean? They chose. You just got to choose. You got to choose what you want, what you're going to do. And I think yeah. it goes back to what you said. And, it, and it's the classic. I, I know Kilroy said that. And uh, R.I.P. Kilroy. I always wanted to get him on the podcast. Yeah. But uh, even even in Bronx Tale, right? Yeah. What does he say? He goes, your, your, your dad's a tough guy. Try yeah. getting up every day That's and right. going to work. That's the real tough guy. And I, and I, I think about that all the time, man, because... I don't think it's institutionalized. I think it's priorities. Yeah. <laughs> You're afraid of the priorities more than you are of going to jail. Because let's be honest, if you, if you if you go to prison, there's yeah you got you, you can get your life taken, but, but you, get you don't have to pay meals, no you don't have to pay no bills. Dennis, yo, yeah. lady's not bothering you. The, right. <laughs> the kids are not bothering <laughs> you. You don't gotta wake. You know, I guess you gotta wake up when they tell you to. But you got a program. People are telling you what to do. Yeah. Maybe that's part of that, right? Where you get like. I don't know, man. It, it it gets it gets wild, but it, it is possible. That's right. It, it is, is possible. possible. And I think another another key is not going back to the neighborhood, right? You, it's your surroundings. How, how can like, yeah? I think if you want to still hang around with, I mean, birds of a feather flock together, brother. Because you're if, gonna get in trouble again, right? Even me and you, if we go hang out with with dope fiends, eventually we're gonna do dope, bro. Yeah, you, know, you even God says. I, I mean, even our Bible says, it, you can't go into darkness because darkness will right. overcome us. You can't go hang out with a bunch of drug addicts and keep trying to preach the word to them and keep doing it every day and they're not listening. Eventually, they're going to drag you back in. Man. You know what I mean? And this is where my my pastor David Rosales even says, um, sometimes we can't preach to or, or get, tell the gospel to some people that are not serving God because to them it's stupidness. Right. But you know what? They won't read the Bible. They'll read us. And that's what will convert them into believing in our God, you know? That's true. How, how did you finally find the Lord, man? Um, well, I, I'd, uh, I've been a truck driver since 92, and I've been doing, I was doing speed almost every day, bro. I was doing speed every day. <laughs> for some day, reason, bro. I think that's common for a lot of truck yeah, drivers, right? Because they, they drive long, it was, long, long you know, times, right? And that's really what we do. We we go to the yard, and before we start our route, everybody gather, and even management knew it. We gather and do our linas, and and then we'd start off. But it got to the point where I was doing it every weekend, every weekend. Then I had a homeboy that was a cook, so I used to get it, you know, pretty much free. And I was just doing it every weekend, every weekend, every weekend, and I did that for like twenty six years, every weekend, bro. Man. And uh, my wife kept telling me. Stop. You got to stop. 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 Towards the last in last year before I stopped, uh, I was 45 years old. She was telling me, if you don't stop, I'm going to leave you. And uh, one day I came home on a Friday. I always worked graveyard. I came home Friday. I just picked up and I did my linas. I was coming home. She goes, you know what? That's it. I'm done. 
I'm done. I'm taking the boys and leaving. I had three boys with her, and um, they were all little ones. And she did, bro. She took them. And you know what? I, I begged her. I, you know, babes, don't, don't. You know, I, why? I work. We, we own a house. You know, why can't I get high? I'm not hurting nobody. And um, she just left, bro. Did you, I, did you think you weren't hurting nobody, but now looking back, who were oh, you hurting? I was hurting all everybody, everybody, including myself, but mostly all my family, you know. You just didn't, you couldn't see that, huh? You just saw the I, house, a uh, food on the table. I just I'm, felt it was my right. I'm, I'm doing more than, than, um, than my dad or my mom did for me. Yeah, yeah, you know, I mean, I never had a dad. So with that said, I just said, you know, I, I work, I I'm, pay my I'm bills, here. we pay our bills, everybody's eating. Why can't I? I actually told myself, I can't imagine living without doing drugs. It just was a. Uh, were you always into, into drugs, even when you were in the neighborhood? No, or it, no, it just came it, after? When I got out of prison, uh, I did my first line of cocaine, and that's crazy, man. I just it just set me off, bro. I was, and then I went. We discovered the speed thing in the early '80s, and I was hooked on speed. And uh, yeah, that just the speed was just I was addicted to it, bro. Mentally, I didn't shoot it up; I snorted it, but I did it every weekend. And and when Thanksgiving started, I'd start on Wednesday, you know, because of that vacation <laughs> four day weekend. Yeah, the four day weekend, you know. And it was all good. The wife, hey, just don't bother me, you know. But as I got older, she's, hey, you got to stop. The boys are seeing the difference in your attitude, you know. You know, it's like anything. When you're on it, you're a happy camper. When you can't get it, I'm angry. Yeah. I'm a grouch, you know. Wow. So that day when she left, as God is my witness, and this is where I knew God was real. She left. The house was empty. I was going 100 miles an hour. Must have been one or two in the morning. I haven't slept. And I just got on my knees, bro. As God is my witness, I said, you know what, God? Bring me back my, my wife and my kids. And I I promise, I promise I'll, I'll stop doing this and I'll, get, I'll give my life to you, you know, and serve you. And as God is my witness, 26 years, every weekend, and starting at some days, like I said, during on Wednesdays, if there was a holiday, I went cold turkey, brother. Wow. Old turkey. Just like that. That's heavy to me. To me, that is. God delivered you like that. Like that, bro. <sighs> did, I, did I struggle as far as wanting it? Yeah. But of did course. I, I never touched it after that. Man. And, and you know what? That just. Now, when I'm on my high horse, you know, I look at speed addicts. It's like, what are you doing? But then I, I humble myself. I say, you know what? I was there, you know. But yeah, going back to that, I just like, that, that was gone, bro. Because, wow. again, 26 years doing it every day, just, man, bro. Functioning. Yeah. Functioning I, I was addict. a functioning addict, yeah. yeah. Man. I, I, I tried that one on my wife. Babe, but I, I work, you know what I mean? She, <laughs> nah, I don't care. I, you know what I mean? So man. I think There's a lot of people like that, though. Yeah. There's a lot of people like that that live, that live like that. But that's an ugly way to live, bro. Mm. That's an ugly way to live. When I look back now. So many things you... you, you I you don't remember, you lost, yeah. yeah. I lost out on, you know. And, and I know, I never hid it from my kids that I did do drugs. But, uh, you know, it, it just, to me, I justified it like that, you know. I'm not hiding it from nobody. I take care of business. I pay bills. We have a house. We have two cars, you know. What's the big deal, you know. Man. But drugs are the devil, man. It's the devil, bro. It's a big, it's a big problem yeah. everywhere. Every, every, 
you know, even young people starting with the weed and everything and everybody yeah. thinks it's fun and then it, it, it gradually you got you got to continually do more to get yeah. high right well there, there was a funny saying back in the day i i did more speed to work more hours to buy more speed <laughs> it just was a never-ending you know what i mean continues circle cir- cir- never-ending circle never-ending just circle bro man and i missed out on so many even though i was an active father with my kids and boxing and football I really wasn't there, bro. I really wasn't there because if I wasn't high, I was angry, you know? So oh. I always had to be high, bro. Man. So you give your life to the Lord. Amen. Serve, is, is, serving God ever does, since. Does, 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 is, it, is it hard? It, are people not believing you? Because this is uh, Popeye again. <laughs> um, and now you're trying to be a Christian. Uh, nobody's ever questioned me about it, but, um, you know, that. It is what it is. That's my testimony. I mean, you know, brother, as a Christian, um, you're always going to have those people that, that doubt you or expect you to walk on water. And, but uh, like I say, man, it's it's not like our Bible says is when you face trials, you know, look upon me. You know, it didn't say if you face trials, it's when, when. you face trials. Yeah. And believe me, we, we face trials, bro. Let you know that this podcast is brought to you by Elevate Ministries. Elevate Ministries is an authentic, passionate, and innovative church in the heart of Orange County, California. They strive to make their services welcoming and encouraging by intentionally engaging you in all senses to stimulate a spiritual hunger. If you're looking for a great church that's on a mission to change the world one person at a time, I encourage you to check them out at www.elevateministries.com and on Instagram at Elevate Ministries. My, my favorite scripture, John 16, 33, man. I tell you this thing so that in me you will have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. Yes. <laughs> so when I'm having trouble, <laughs> I quote that scripture to myself, but mm. take heart, I have overcome the world. That's right. So God, I mean, he tells us straight off the bat, like, hey, man, you're, you're, you're going to have problems. But trust yeah. me, if you, I have overcome the world. If you stay with me, I got you. But That's right. you're going to have to go through a few things. So so what's the what's the save Popeye like, man? You know what I, the save Popeye like is is I try to get up every no, I don't try but I do. That's one thing I'm very I think I got that from jail. I'm <laughs> very routine. Yeah. Very routine, man. I wake up 3 a.m. whether I'm working or not, I read my Bible, put my earphones on, go to the gym, whether it's the boxing gym or 24-hour fitness and and just and that's how I start my morning off, you know. I just got to get into the word, bro. And uh, my boxing, uh, you know, professional fighting, and not to brag, but more to say where I grew up, I, I've been all over the world, all over the world. It's Who crazy. would have think me growing up uneducated in the barrio? And again, it's not to brag. It's just to saying God had a plan. You know what I mean? And God has a plan for everybody that's serving him. But, you know, I, I see on Instagram and and I'm on that, you know, and it's it's a touchy subject sometimes. You know, I got to watch myself where I go with that. And when I see, hey, get back on track, you know. But we, we, we have a lot of, um, and I'm not being judgmental. I'm just calling it for what it is. We have people saying, oh, yeah, I'm serving God. I'm great. And in the very next page, they're taking shots or right. using foul language or, you know what, uh, like Kilroy said, you know what, if I get arrested today, where's the evidence if I'm serving God? I mean, if there's no evidence, bro, then there's something up. Mm. Something's wrong, you know? So, I mean, and God said he don't want us lukewarm. or You know what I mean? He wants us hot for him, you know? 
And, and again, I, I drop the ball every day. I fall short of the glory of God every day. But I get up, and, and I think that's what gives us, uh, you know you're serving God when you have conviction. If you don't have any conviction, then that's that's how you're, you're going to present gone. it. Bro. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I know it's harder for youngsters than uh, than me as an older dude, you know, because I got a couple of youngster homeboys that, that oh, you know, I accepted the Lord, Ray, and, and the very next thing, they're they're taking shots or, you know. You can't be halfway in, man. can't be halfway I, in. I you know? think that's a, that's one of the things that, like, if you if you got something positive from the neighborhood and that, that prison life and yeah. doing what you have to do, it's like you can't half-step it. And it's funny you say that because those particular ones that are from the neighborhood, I go, it's like the neighborhood homes. You got to put the work in. And right. If you don't put the work in, I, I always used to call them first string, second string, and third string. I'd see a homeboy that he was just a hang around. He's a third string, bro. He don't put no work in. I didn't mess with him. There was some homeboys that messed with him. but And then there was a second string. He was there every now and then, but he kind of laid back. And then there was a first string, you know? Right. And you know what? I want to I want to be a first string Christian. I want to be a first string Christian. And every morning I try to do that. You know, no disrespect to my wife. I love my wife, man. But before I came here, the devil was attacking us. Attack, we were bumping heads. And you know what? Before I got off the car right now, brother, I prayed. I said, you know what, Father God? If I said anything wrong to my wife... I'm sorry, you know, and I, I text her, man, because she didn't answer my call. <laughs> <laughs> she's but a real one. <laughs> that's right. And I just go, I'm sorry, baby doll, and I love you, you know? Yeah. Because she's, she's, you know, she's my, my rock. You know, God, I keep my eyes on God, and but I got to be a good husband. And, and to be a good Christian, you got to humble yourself. Yeah. Bro. Whether you think you're wrong or right, you know? And, and that's hard, bro. That's I, hard, I, I, I think that's huge, man, because, uh, you know, he, the Bible says to love your wife like Christ yeah, loved the church. The church. Yeah. Man. That's hard, bro. That's, that's, yeah. It's my brother Peter, 35 years, 12 years in the Bay. I mean, he, he was a big shot in there, bro. He got married three years ago, and he tells me about two weeks ago, I didn't think it was going to be this hard. <laughs> <laughs> I go, welcome, brother. Welcome. Yeah. You know I mean? Who's the big shot now, that's man? That's right. You, you, you know what I mean? It's it's very it's, – it's marriage is the most hu- – most blessed thing but it's the most humbling thing yes and and it's it's people laugh because in the world it's different right in the world it's it's about me me first you gotta think about yourself first and in marriage especially under christ it's it's about your spouse that's right if i do if i fulfill her needs and things she does and she does it for me we'll be happy and you're laying down your life for For your your wife you know and, and vice versa and I think the world is so mixed up all the time. They're, they're, they're opposite. Yeah. Take care of yourself first. What am I going to get out of this marriage? Yeah, what you know? am I going to get out of it? But that's not God's intention. His intention was, is, hey, you serve one another and it'll be good. Yeah. And, it, and not that it'll be easy. It's, yeah. it's not easy. But uh, it's, it's very rewarding. It's, very, uh, uh, it's a good thing once you, once you yeah. start learning that, those 20, keys. 26 years, bro. So Nice. You know. 29 I, the, last week, bro. There you go. God's good, bro. Man. You know what I mean. I wasn't always the the best husband. That's right. You know what I mean, but uh, your intentions but, were right, right? <laughs> my intentions were right. Yeah, I guess we could so say I told, that. Told our Liam Biggs, but you know what I meant, right? Okay. Yeah, that's our bailout right there. Yeah. I didn't mean it that way. Yeah, yeah. But I think uh, you know, I I wasn't always the best husband, like you said. But I'm, I'm we're all working our way to that, and right. and, and I'm and I'm and I'm better than I was five years ago. I'm better than I was last year. That's so right. I mean, hey man, that's that's all. That's uh, saving little, our salvation. A little, little quote from Kilroy before he passed. I, I I went to go visit him like a week before he passed away. 
He goes, you know what, Popeye, everybody always says, um, you know, I, I would, you know, you know what organization he was from. And he goes, my walk, my Christian walk might not be where it should be, but I thank God it's not where it used to be. Right. And I, I just, I stuck in my mind, you know, and he passed away like a week later. And, but man, he was such a, he was such a blessing. You know, he left with a good name. He did. You know, and, and that's hard in that. That, My uncle Woody was close was close to him too. He he would have him minister at his church, and uh, yeah. he he knew him. And we were, I was trying to work that out, but man, he passed. It, yeah. it would have been good to have him on. So you know, when he said that to <clears> me, I, I like that's heavy, bro. I'm gonna use that one. Eh? I'm gonna that, use that one. That's good, man. So you turn your life over to Christ, and then you get into the you get into boxing, refereeing. Yeah. Right. Now, how, how did that come about? Because I couldn't fight, eh? <laughs> <laughs> now, you know what? I, when I finally knew it, at, I think I was 37, 38, I go, man. I, I did you have any pro fights? No. 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 I were, could never cut my weight down, bro. I always had weight issues. Always, man. I just, and Ben Lira, who trains my son Danny now, Ramos was right. You, no. the, 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 the chubby guy could fight. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you couldn't cut back. I could always, if you stood still, I was a good, I was good brawler. It's when you moved around, I couldn't get my feet to work with my mm. hands. That's why Mayweather's so good, right? Yeah. Uh, Floyd Mayweather, he knows how to move, it. and it's a lot of footwork, bro. It's like the MMA guy, guys on Sean, Sean uh, Kirkland just won the middleweight yeah. champion. Strickland, yeah, Strickland. I'm sorry, man. You know, I went to, I, I've been on the mitts with him at Millennium, and he always had good footwork, and this is what I didn't possess i didn't have good footwork and, and going back to me uh i knew you know there's not no fighting career for me so i asked ben Lira, hey, i want to be a, a referee you know i like trying my hand at refereeing and and again god had a plan i he told me go in amateurs for five years i sat on ringside in amateurs she ne- the lady that was in charge never let me referee bro never left me let me referee. What, what my made, fault though oh your fault my fault I still had one hand in the in the barrio and one hand ah. trying to be good. I went to a fight and I went in the restroom, did some cocaine. So I come out of the restroom and I bump right into her and she just looks at me, bro. And I just like, what? So I walk and some guy walks, he goes, Ray, you got a ring around your nose. And I like, oh, oh my God. You know what I mean? It, it was my own stupid fault. Eh? Mm. So, you know, five years went by, she didn't let me go. So finally, I went up to Ben Lear. I go, you know, let me let me try my hand at professional, you know. So he hooked me up with the right people. And for one year, I had to go to training every weekend. One year, right? you couldn't miss or nothing. And out of all those, I think it was 28 of us, cops, judges, district attorneys, were all trying out for this position. I just kept saying, you know what? I'm going to just try it. If it don't happen, at least I could say. I, I've never been afraid of taking chances, you know. And um, anyways, at the end of the year, we did like scenarios in the boxing ring. And they said, all right, guys, we'll, we'll let you know. We'll send you a letter whether you made it or not. Like two weeks later, I'm at the house and uh, I got the letter. And like a kid look, going, getting, uh, going into college, I tell the wife here, you open it. you know. And it was crazy when she opened it. She goes, babes, congratulations. It said, wow. That was crazy, bro. You know what I mean? That was crazy. How did that change your life, man? No, nothing. Nothing. I just it didn't change me. I still, you know, again, I, I was a you know working drug addict, you know, but um, 
uh, crazy story. I, I hope I don't get in trouble for this, but it was I was on Showtime. I was on Showtime doing a fight. And, uh, you know, like Robin Williams says, you know, I was over there chewing gum, eh? And I didn't have no gum because mm. I, was, I was wired, you know. And uh, I came home and our- Got a couple guys at work like that. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, and, and I got home and Arlene just ripped it into me. She goes, what are you doing? Mm. Your biggest dream and you're doing that stuff on TV. Oh, she saw it? Yeah. Oh. And, and you know what? I just like, man, but you know, I think it was two years later I finally, you know, I finally stopped. But it, It's so crazy because I'm sure you could identify guys oh, yeah, right, second, right off the bat, right? But when you're doing the drugs, you think nobody notices, right? Nobody. It's, it's crazy. I got it under control. You, know, you always think that I, I'm, it, it amazes me when, when somebody's doing drugs and I'm telling them, bro, really? Hey, Holmes, I got it under control, bro. I'm, you know what? Everything's good. You know, it's like when I've talked to kids, bro, I say, nobody plans. Everybody feels, you know, first of all, if I ever do talk to kids, when the, the times I have, I always tell them straight out, let me tell you something about drugs. They make you feel good. They may, If you're five feet tall, they make you feel six feet tall. If you're shy, they make you aggressive. If you're shy with the ladies, they're going to make you cool. If you girls, you want to lose weight, there you go. Mm. You know, if you if your low self-esteem gives you a big self-esteem. But let me tell you the end story. Nobody plans to sell their body. Nobody plans to lose teeth. Nobody plans to get sick. Nobody plans to steal from their children, their mom, their dad. Or, 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 and some of you guys do the sick thing of turning yourself into homosexuals for drugs. Nobody plans that. You know what I mean? So if you want to do drugs, I'm telling you the truth. Don't do it because it'll always be a monkey on your back. Man. But, but let me tell you how it starts like that. Oh, I got it covered. I'm good. Don't think you're going to be the one guy out of the millions of drugs that got it down packed. It's not going to happen. It never works out. It never works out, bro. There's, there's no drug addict. That actually was a drug I could actually say, hey, I'm good. No. no. Even if it comes back to haunt you years later, like me, I got major arthritis. And, and my mom died at 91 healthy. My dad's still living at 92. And, and you know what? I'm 60, bro, and I got bad arthritis. That had to be the drugs. Eh? And who's to say I got more ailments coming? But so far, I'm healthy as an ox. My bones are feeling it because that's all that meth I did. Yeah, you can't, you can't, can it live that life for that long and, and, then it, and not, not affect you later, exactly, bro. You know, and I try to tell these kids, you know, and I'm not saying they're wrong, but when they're telling the kids don't do drugs, don't do drugs, kids are curious, bro. Tell them the truth, man. You know what? Drugs make you feel good. That's why people yeah. do it. Just yeah. like sin is is fun. Just for like the season. neighborhood, right? That's right. It makes you belong. It makes you belong. But part nobody of plans nobody. for the, the end story, <laughs> yeah. bro. You know what I mean? Yeah, it sounds good in the beginning. That's right. That's that's sin, though, right? That's right. It, that's, it's fun that's, for a season, bro. Yeah, it's fun for a little and then bit. And the consequences, you know. Nobody thinks about it later. That's right. Man. So you referee. The, the, the fight game's a little a little wild right now. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. It's, 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 it's a lot of politics, a lot of different. And you've done some MMA. Yeah. You know what I mean? But you did probably, probably uh, I think, was it over 500 fights? 800. 800 fights. 2017, I was the work, most worked referee in the world, bro. Okay, when I first seen you, I'll, I'll be honest. Oh, don't. I, I don't know what. Don't hurt I, my feelings, I don't bro. know what fight it was, but I was like, "Who is this homeboy right here?" <laughs> but I was like, "Props, this dude, this this guy looks like somebody I know." You know what yeah. I mean? And he's and he's refereeing this fight. I think there was another uh, 
It's another homeboy referee, right? Isn't it a father son deal? I forgot. Yeah. I forgot his. I forgot his name. Thaises. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's not a homeboy, though. Oh, he's not a homeboy. No. Oh, so you're the you're the homeboy. You. Well, and- I, I mean, if that's what you want to call me, so be it. But <laughs> what I mean by homeboy, he's not from a neighborhood. He's not from the neighborhood. He grew okay. Up at, he went to Bishop of Mai. He's a good kid, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I seen you, and I said I I I, I could identify with this guy. He looks. Yeah. He looks like my uncles, and um, he looks like dude from the neighborhood. The, the most popular fight I ever did is probably the Mike Tyson, uh, Roy right. Jones. I was getting I mean? to that. Yeah. So, that so, so that, so that fight right there is exhibition. Yeah. But I would say Roy was hurting after that fight, right? Yeah. Roy, he got hit in the in the, in the ribs, some in the side, and he was hurting. And I told some, I told somebody that too, because. Uh, in the interview after Roy was breathing hard and he was kind of like he had his he had his hand right here by his side and I was like oh he got that shot from 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 Mike well I mean in my opinion Roy went in there thinking it was going to be fun playing right and Mike Mike's like no I'm gonna sock you up boy and as soon as Mike hit him one time in the side yes Roy was on his bike I saw that it's almost like he was like hey bro what are you doing, man? It's just an exhibition. You know what I mean? <laughs> and Mike, Mike was, Mike was for real. Mike was for he real. He was in bro. shape. Yeah, Roy was a little. I mean, we weren't. We're not used to seeing Roy like that. Yeah, yeah. Roy was a little out of shape, and I was like, ah, oh, man, you know. And then I was like, man, Mike. I don't know. Mike's like in his fifties. Yeah, I mean, he looked great. He's Ten years younger than me, so he looked great, you know? right? Yeah. I mean, I was just like, man, he looked. He looked good. He's ripped, bro. He's ripped, dude. right? And, and and when I when I seen Mike prior to the fight. You know, I gave him the instructions and all that. He was cool, but as soon as he got in the ring, bro, I seen his game face. He had that same game face as when he used to fight. And I go, wow, this guy, he's taking it serious. Sure enough, man, he he wanted to put hands on Roy. I think that's that's the difference with, with fighters, right? I've, I've I've sparred a few rounds with, with fighters, you know, some kickboxing. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, my friend Tony in particular. And there's some something about those guys when they turn it on. Yes, like, like you might land a couple shots, but then they throw it into like fourth gear. Yeah. You don't want them I'm to get still a fifth in charge, gear, right? Type. Yeah, and they're like, okay, and then I'm, and and I'm like, oh, what did I just do, man? Yeah. I I just I land somebody a, ring the bell. Uh, yeah, I land a combo, and I think okay, and then for a second I'm like happy because I'm like, oh, that was nice, and then I see like ding, like a little light go off in his head, and I'm like, oh, he's gonna put it on. And he comes like boom. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, there's a there's a different gear there, right? I yes. mean, for 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 fighters, for boxers, and I think yeah. Mike, yeah, Mike Mike turned that on. Turned that on, definitely, man. definitely. And, and, okay, so the box the the boxing game here. Let let's uh let's talk a little bit of boxing now. When you're refereeing, what is your interpretation or what is your definition of a dirty fighter? Somebody that follows through with their elbow. Uh, uses their head, because um, there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff that the the I, I guess the the average fan or guy watching on TV don't see. But what do you, what are you seeing when it's when he's a dirty fighter? You know, when he when he follows through with his elbow, like a look at an MMA fight, and then look at an MMA uh, a good MMA fighter turn that into boxing. That's all illegal. You know what I mean? But they'll follow through with their elbow. They'll use your shoulders. Uh, instead of hitting low to the groin, they'll hit him on the thigh. You know, that's like a Charlie horse, bro. A lot of people think, oh, he didn't hit him in the groin. But, yeah, but he hit him in his thigh. Imagine what that does to you, bro. Right. 
That, that weakens your legs. Well, you know? Can- Canelo does that to the shoulder, to the arms well, all day, I, I right? I say I can't speak on any <laughs> any real fighter, but I'm just saying yeah. th- th- there's fighters yeah. that are known to like let me yeah. let me hit your arms for a few rounds, oh, yeah, and by yeah. the time you're well, that you're that part's throw, not illegal. That's not illegal. Yeah, yeah that's he's not just illegal. breaking them down. Right. You know what I mean? That's part of the game. Yeah. Right. But when you hit hit to the thigh, that's illegal. You know, hit to the side of the neck. You know what I mean? You behind the hit. head? Behind the head is illegal. You know, even in MMA, it's illegal. You Have know? you ever had to stop a fight because it was it just got too dirty and you, you took a point away, took another point away, and it's just like, man, you know what? Uh, I think I have one. Uh, it was a big fight, too. Um, the undercard of, um, it was at the Staples Center. But, yeah, this kid from Africa, man, he just didn't want to listen, and he kept hitting behind the head, and then he threw him down, and. When I told him, hey, I took a point, then he turned around and did it again, and then when he threw the guy down, he hit him, so I disqualified him. Yeah. But it's just like, I don't know if you ever see on Pritchard Cologne, the, the boxer. Right. Uh, Porcito, you know, he'll never be the same, you know? Yeah. And uh, I have I have ridiculed, ridiculed the, the referee in that particular fight because uh, I don't know him personally. That was the one he kept hitting behind the head, right? Nine times. Cam, Cam, me and Cam were talking about that today. Nine times. He hit Pritchard Cologne nine times behind the head. And then when Pritchard Cologne, which I tell my sons, when you're sparring, the guy hits you once, maybe twice low, and he still continues, hit him back low. Show him, you know, the same thing. Well, anyways, Pritchard Cologne, after the nine times in one round, one hit, round. hit him back one time um, behind the head. The referee stopped and took a point for Pritchard Cologne. You know, and I, I, we can, I can go on and say this guy was doing the black card because he was African American as well as the fighter was an African American, but that's another story. But he should never referee, in my opinion. He took a man's life, and it, the least I'm taking your career away. You know, and, and I don't play. Because that's play what you're that there for, right? I, that's right. I don't play. Oh, he's my rasa. I don't play that in the ring. I don't no. play that. I don't care if you're Mexican, black. Chinese, white, I'm going to try to keep you safe and you're going to abide by the rules. And if you don't, you're going to get disqualified, you know? And I just saw the reason I bring up Pritchard Cologne because, you know, my son, Adrian Corona, he's a fighter. He's got 11 fights, uh, one loss, two draws, three knockouts. And I'm always afraid for him when he gets in that ring, you know? And um, dirty fighters, you know, it it always comes back to haunt them, you know? And, And in my opinion, that's a haunt that you... You know, you knew better to hit him nine times, but the referee allowed you to do it. So shame on you, you know. I can't really speak on the fighter, you know. He's got to deal with his own demons. But poor Pritchard Cologne, he'll never be the same, you know. He's pretty much, um, he has to be taken care of for the rest of his life, you know. It's it's so crazy because I, I don't think people, I think they they look at the referee as, as oh, he's just a, he's third man in the ring. Yeah. He's going to break them up when... You know they, they they clinch too long or whatever it may be. Uh, he, you separate them. He gives the instruction. That's it. Yeah. But your job is to protect the fighters to make sure yes. it's a fair fight and to make sure you know almost that everybody goes home like they might go home beat up but not yeah. on a stretcher. And, and that's what I tell my when I get have a fight out from a four rounder to a title fight. I tell the fighter, you know, I'll take you out to deep water, but if I see you're taking too much punish, punishment. You know what? I'd rather you be upset with me tonight than your mom hating me in the morning. You know? So I, I'm not here to be your friend. I'm here to to apply the rules and keep you safe. You know what I mean? 
What, what, what? But mind you, real quick, I, I mean, it, it's hard being a referee too. Uh, that's because what I'm we saying. We got to make that split decision yes. to stop a fight or let it go on. And thank you, Jesus. Nobody's been hurt seriously on my fights, but there's been some, some, some deaths in boxing. And the reason you, you know, you know, you, you do martial arts and stuff. The reason boxers die, not where MMA guys haven't died. And thank God for that is because boxers get hit over time. Yeah. A lot, a lot. You're going 10 rounds, eight rounds, 12 rounds. They're continuously getting hit, continuously getting hit. And then mind you, when they spar, yeah. they spar hard, bro. It's, it's, so that's huge. A lot of them, the doctors are saying a lot of them come to the fight already damaged. You know, they might have a small bleed in the brain already. Even even like you, you started eight, nine years old. If yeah. you, you know, you're talking like yes. 25 years, you know, 20 years when you get a title shot and you've been sparring, boxing, and it could be with headgear on, but still, it's, yeah, it's, it's still going to, yeah, it's still going to hurt. It's still going to cause damage over time. You and know? one thing I do notice with the MMA guys, I, I go to Millennia here in Rancho Cucamonga. When those guys spar, they can only go 50%. Yeah. For the simple fact, you can't kick a guy in the thigh and expect him to go fight the next week or get him in an R bar and expect him to go fight the, the next week or get him in a chokehold, take him, knock him out for a couple of sets and expect him to go fight the next week. So they go like a 50%. Not to say they're any less or tougher than a boxer. They're both, both, both two different sports, but they're both elite, right. elite fighters, you know? And I wish boxing can somehow take that sparring mentality and do it in boxing right because boxers when they spar before fights they're they're literally sparring hard bro there's some fighters now that say they don't spar as hard anymore well the only one like dante wilder yeah he says i don't even spar before a fight yeah you know but he's a heavyweight in my opinion you could do that but when you're boxing you only have two tools where an mma guy goes you know what i'm i'm mostly a, a ground guy so my my top game ain't gonna be so much hitting, I'm, I'm going to take them down, you know. That that works. But if you're all together, like like Strickland, uh, he goes there from head, you know, when he yeah. beat his last fight, he, he beat him from the shoulders. He, he you was know? awesome, man. Yeah, yeah. He was awesome. So, but I wish somehow boxing can take that element from MMA and say, you know what, Let, let's calm it down a little bit. Let's go 50% if that's possible. Because, again, like you just said, 50%, me, me and you could go 50%, but if I feel you landed some good, I'm going to land it. A, I'm well, going to try to land it a little bit. Let's better. be honest here, brother. Your 50 is probably, is way more than my 50, probably, because of your background, the fights that you had. That's what I used to laugh about my friends, because we spar. Yeah. You know, he had a couple of pro fights, but it was funny because he, we would spar and he was like, let's go 50%. And I go, hold up, man. Yeah. You're teaching me how to fight and how to do jujitsu and some stand up yeah. and kickboxing. But you had pro fights. You spar with a lot of dudes. Your 50 yeah. and my 50. Yeah, two different 50s, <laughs> yeah, it's huh? Like, yeah. It's like my 50 is your 75%, man. I'm getting my butt kicked over here. But, yeah, I think yeah, I think boxing, man, I think uh, it's, it's it's a beautiful sport. There's there's been some tragedies. There's been some things. But, uh, yeah, I think that's something that, that can be learned from, from the MMA. I mean, and, and whether it's, you know, I think. Well, let me ask you a quick question. When is this going to be aired? Probably uh, next week. Okay, so I can speak on that. Then. Yeah. Who do you think is going to win the fight tonight between Canelo and, and um, Charo? I, I think Canelo. Uh, and I'm not just saying that because, you know, he's Mexican or anything like that. Yeah. I, I think uh, 
Canelo is not the taller fighter, but he's the bigger man. Yes. Right? And so you know, Charles I, coming up two weights. Yeah. Tra- and, and he's taller than him. Yeah. But I think, I mean, you would tell me better than this. I think when t- you, you go up a weight class, and I'll, and I'll say like this. Um, you had him on your podcast, uh, Garcia. Robert or Mikey? Mikey Garcia. Yes. Remember when Mikey went up and fought uh, Spence. Spence? Yeah. Like, Mikey was game. But I think it was like it was two weight classes, man. It was man, it, yeah. yeah, it's a bigger it's a bigger guy. And Mikey was totally game. But I think when he fought Spence, I was like, and I'm a big Mikey fan, man. Yeah. I, I we used to go to the same barbershop right, out in Riverside, and uh, so I think um, yeah, I think that's that's going to be the difference right there. And in my prediction, because I can only talk about fights past fights, so when this comes on, it'll be past. I think Canelo can win only by knockout, mm. and I think Charo can only win by points. From the outside, right? Yes. Yeah, if they yeah. get in the inside, it's going to be tough for him. Yeah, because again, yeah, Canelo's used to that way where Charles not. Right. You know? And if he takes him out to this, to longer rounds, I think it's to Canelo's um, advantage, you know? So yeah, I'm not I'm not saying, you know, he Charles will win. I think uh, if he like he stays from the outside, yeah. he's, a, he's a longer fighter. I, I think he's a longer fighter. Um, I'll work him. Box, yeah. You know what I mean? He's probably, he might be, uh, wait, he's faster than him, right? Yeah. 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 Way faster than him, right? But I think uh, I'm hoping for a good fight, man. Yeah, I hope so. I'm hoping yeah. for a good fight. I think I think they're both game. We'll see. I mean, that's the worst thing about the, the boxing game, man. When when they just don't go at it. I, I yeah. haven't really seen. You know, you don't see though. You you talked about the '80s and and, yeah. and and those fighters and those and, and in those days where it's just like okay, so one of us is going down. My, the classic, yeah. Hagler Hearns fight. You know what I mean? Where it's like yeah. somebody's gonna somebody's gonna get knocked out yeah. right now. I mean, you don't get that too often. You, you think that's because just the money's so huge, and 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 we talked about the one thirty five, one forty. Those guys don't fight each other too much because. Do you I think it's they want that one big payday? If they get the loss, and they're in the I back think, of the bus. I think everybody's just looking for that payday. You know, everybody's looking for that payday. I mean, it's just the world we live in now. You know, and sometimes the promoters that I know of, I'm not going to pay you those crazy dollars to fight the champion, you know? So we'll, we'll fight this guy for, for less, you know? It's about the mighty dollar, you know? Yeah. You know, but like going back to Ben or going back to any fighter, well, who has he fought? Well, you know, if you're building a fighter, you got to pick and choose your fights. It's not so much that the guy's a tomato can because it takes levels to get in the ring, you know? Yeah. And one punch can change the whole fight. But you got to build your fighter. You got to... My son, Adrian, has had 11 fights... All, all guys with better records than him, and you're building them. But do they have big knockout records? No, they don't. And that's how you're building them. They have more experience, but they're not big punchers. So you're building a fighter, you know. And as time goes on, Adrian will start fighting, uh, you know, bigger, bigger guys. His last guy, he went eight rounds hard, and that guy just lost to Jojo Diaz and went twelve rounds hard. So that was a step up for my son to fight him, you know. Yeah. So, I, I I think perfect example is is the uh, the, the Vargas brothers, yes. right? Fernando Vargas's sons. You know what I mean? People are people are trying to make fun of them, and like, hey, you're not fighting nobody. It's like, bro, they're, they're they're just coming up. That's right. Nobody does that. They don't go straight to the top. And that's where I say some of these guys don't even know boxing. They're yeah. saying that you, know, you can't. You don't throw them in the lions right away. You know what I mean? Yeah. You got to let them build up to that. Do you ever do you ever like go to somebody's house and watch fights? And maybe there's a guy in the corner, and he's he's talking boxing like he knows what's up, and you're just sitting there going, "Yeah, 
<laughs> I just stayed quiet. See, that was my dad, man. We would, we would go places. We would watch the fight, and dudes be trying to draw. And he's a big boxing fan, man. Big boxing fan back in the day. Uh, he passed away, but he, he, we, we would go. We would go watch the fights at, at a friend's house or family member's house, and there'd be like somebody that we didn't really know, and they're talking, oh, this and this and that, and my dad would just be like, this guy doesn't even know what he's talking about, yeah. man. It's it, it it's different when you know the game, right? Yeah. It's yeah. different. And a lot of people, especially with boxing, any, any professional sport, yeah. you go online, everybody's telling the coach what to do. Everybody's telling the trainer what to well, do. What's that old saying? Um, Monday morning quarterback? Yeah, totally. I mean, I'm sure after tonight's fight, tomorrow morning, there'll be a bunch of people telling us what what, what, they, what they should have done. Yeah, yeah. Right? It's, it's not that easy, bro. No. It's not that easy, man. It's hard, man. So, uh, lastly, man, when... what. When you are refereeing a fight, are you, are you, what, at what point do you say, this is it? You know, like, I got, I got to call this. There's a famous meme out of a, of a guy that throws about nine punches and they all miss, right? And the guy's, bo- I have to send it to you. He's bobbing and weaving all the punches and the ref comes in and he stops yeah, the fight and the guy goes, Tony Weeks. You, you didn't even hit me. You didn't even hit me. Yeah. He didn't even hit me. And so uh, he, he stopped the fight. The guy's mad. I mean, at what point do you really see and you just say, hey, man, you know, his, his, his corner's not throwing in the towel. They're not doing anything. And this guy's just getting beat. Well, I mean, it's like a, a title fight. If it's 12 rounds and he's been getting beaten, beaten for eight, mathematically, he can't win. He's not going to win mathematically. But what if he's still fighting? You know what I mean? He's still in the fight. He's just not hurting him. And this guy's just beating him, beating him. Those are the hardest ones because... I got to stop this guy from his own his own self, you know? Like, hey, bro, you've you lost just, eight rounds straight. You're just outclassed. You're just outclassed, but you're still in the fight. You're still fighting back, but you're just getting beat down and beat down. And, and it bothers me that his corner won't stop it. But we know as officials, as a referee, like, I got to save this guy from his own toughness, you know? Those are the hardest ones, you know? But then on the other hand, uh, I don't know if you've seen the Negrete Valdez fight. Mm-mm. You know, this was uh, two weeks ago. It was a title fight. Um, Valdez, Oscar Valdez, a big champion. He fought Negrete, another champion. And Negrete was just beating him to a pulp, bro. And Oscar could not touch him for 12 rounds. And then Oscar's face was just, his whole right side of his eye was just completely shut. That That's a hard one. That's a hard one. Do I stop it? Because he's continuously being aggressive. But he's not doing that. I don't. I don't think he landed one or two punches in that whole twelve rounds. Wow. Man. But he kept coming. He was the aggressor through the whole fight. So I take my hat off to that that referee because nothing happened. Valdez is okay. He lost his title. And, and then there's other times when when the guy is just getting beat from pillar to post, as they say. Same with the MMA. He's just getting socked up. He's getting taken down. Somehow he gets out. And you know what? I just got to stop it for the sake of him as in his health, you know? And those are hard decisions, but we got to make those decisions yeah, in a man. split second. And, and before we get off, I want to tell you guys that criticize our judges. Oh, here we go. You know what I mean? Watch a fight, MMA, and boxing as well, with no volume, so you don't hear the commentator, and you don't get that influence with no replay, and judge that round whether it's a five-round MMA or a 12-round boxing, and judge it 10-9. If there's a knockdown in boxing, 10-8. If it's a 
pillar to post in the cage, 10-8. And then after, at the end of the fight, you'll score up the tally, and you'll be surprised. That guy that you said didn't win, won. But for all these guys that criticize the judges, criticize the referees, what the F was he thinking? What the F is this? They should never work. Stop it, bro. Yeah. I I think – Joe Rogan always says that. He yeah. always says, I got to go back and watch this fight with the That's volume right. down. My dad used to say that. Like, you can't, because let's be honest, the announcers are a little bit biased oh, sometimes, man, right? But time, if it's on bro. Showtime, they're, you should they're have one of those guys on your show, man. <laughs> Lock the door and put our headgears on, man. <laughs> take them for a ride. Oh. And sometimes it's like, come on, man, what fight are you watching? Yeah. You know man. what I mean? But it, it's, uh, you know, I think that and then the, uh, sometimes the, uh, the punch count, right? The little yeah. computer thing. And that doesn't always tell the whole story. Yeah. You can land a punch and it's not doing nothing to this guy. And exactly. I'm not saying that you're not hurting him. You're just, you're scoring points. Yeah. But this guy's being the aggressive guy. He's landing hard, the harder shots. And I think people, you know, they, they don't know the fight game. So I think that it, it's, once again, it goes back to, you, you just don't know. And you're trying yeah. to, you're trying to do the Monday morning quarterback. Yeah. Man. Hey, brother Ray. Thanks for coming out, man. Thank you for having hey, me, brother. I have a, I have one more thing. Me and Cam have one more thing. It's called the Furious Five. Oh, and we and, and we ask you five furious questions, really quick, and and then and then you can get out of here. Right. Is that cool? A little yeah, little yeah. little five punch combo right here. Uh-oh. You know what I mean? All right, here we go. Let's let's uh, Furious Five here. Question number one of the Street Gospel Furious Five for Popeye Ray Corona. You ready? Yes, sir. All right. Question number one. Who's your favorite fighter of all time? Alexis Aguayo. Man. Never, he doesn't get talked about as much. Porcito, I, I met him a week prior to his death. Really? Yeah. Man. One of the, one of the greats. Yes. One of the greats. Do you think those fighters... Amongst from, others. Yeah, amongst I'm, others. I'm, but, amongst but others. He's my top, my top pick. Yeah, he was, he was probably in my dad's... Up there with Alex Sergueo. Watch, watch him. The two fights between him and Aaron Pryor. Pryor. Great fights. Bro. Pryor, treat, uh, Pryor treat, cheated on one of those, right? It's a little controversial. Yeah. No. <laughs> Give me the one I mixed. <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> right. that's right. Remember that line? Uh, I like Alex Sergueo. Uh Bobby Chacon. My, my dad was all. I, I met Bobby Chacon one time yeah. at the Olympic Auditorium when I went with my dad to watch him fight. He, yeah. He's a little bit jacked yeah, up. Yeah, man. he. Porcito, he, he died ugly too, man. Yeah. Question number two on the Street Gospel Furious Five. If you weren't a boxing referee or a teamster, we didn't even get into your teamster, but if you weren't a truck driver, teamster, boxing referee, and you can pick any career, what would it be? Acting. I'd probably try to my my hand at acting. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I've done a couple little extras oh oh really yeah, yeah. We, we we had a we had a couple a couple actors in here man maybe, yeah. maybe we'll hook you up yeah. with a part well, i was noel noel's double on bruce almighty no way yeah don't tell me that yeah you weren't the, the monkey didn't come out that was me bro the, no that was me you're running lying. Yes, it was. <laughs> oh you're lying it was me are man. you serious because yeah. uh, apparently noel doesn't want to run eh so they called me in for that, and then I did another scene where Bro, I was, I was a, world, dude. I was on the ground in the alley. They didn't show that part, but they paid me for it. I get residuals from that movie too. You know? Hey, that's cool, man. Yeah. I didn't even know that's funny. Small world, Bruce Almighty, Daredevil. I was a really? referee, and I did a gang of CSI Miami. 
Wow, man. Mm. Yeah. Maybe there, maybe there's a there's a career for you out there. Oh. Is there is there any role you wouldn't play? Gay. <laughs> I wouldn't play a gay role. <laughs> hey, you know what I mean, if you go to Hollywood, man, they they make I you know, play that role. No, <laughs> I did a real quick. I did a little comedy for um, who's that guy in New York? I forget his name. Anyway, it was a comedy scene. He wanted me to lay down in a jail cell with uh, another inmate as like a comedy. I said, Nah, I ain't gonna do that, bro. I go. I got sons, man. I don't want them to see that. There goes your street that. cred, bro. Yeah, there you That'll go. Be out the too, door. <laughs> Somebody be say, "Hey, Ray, yeah, you're man. you're playing that a little too close there, bro." That's brother. right. That's right. Hey, man. Hey, uh, question number three on the street gospel furious five. Where's the best place to eat in Bassett? Taco Nazo. Oh, you, I've been to Taco Nazo. That's, that's the neighborhood. Oh, that's right there. That's okay. uh, Jesse, man. He's big boxing fan and, and you know what he got voted number one in southern california for the best fish tacos i'm gonna listen i've had on this show the taco god i'm gonna send this guy to you right it's my it's my boy he's been on the, he's he's only him and a, Does he, he have fish tacos he has he has them all he's been to every place so i'm gonna hit him up say hey ambassador he probably knows that's point it Taco Nazo. But don't call what, it. What was, they call what, it Bass. All right. <laughs> what's, what's your rating? I'm going to hit him up, bro. He, no, he watches all these shows, man. Good dude. He's been to like hundreds, every yeah. single one. He's a, he's a white dude, too. It's funny. But he's like, nobody can tell me anything because I've been to every place. And I was like, you're right. Well, there's a lot of Taco Nazos, but the one in Bassett, uh, um, Jesse runs it. He's the owner. His brothers run the other ones. <clears throat> and I don't know. I've never been to the other ones. But I know Jesse's Taco Nazo Ambassador right there off the 605 and the 10. He was one or two. I might have it on, but one or two okay. best fish tacos in Southern California. Okay. Yeah. If you could change one thing in your life, question number four, what would it be? <clears throat> my jail stuff. Really? I didn't miss nothing. I, I lost time in my life, you know. And the drugs. And the drugs. No more. No more. No more, and I, and I wish I would have never done it. Do you think that those things contribute to who you are today though i guess with god yeah god's plan you know i'm just saying if it was my choice it just wasted a lot of years you know wasted a lot of years all right man question number five still got a lot of years ahead of you look good god You're in willing. shape god willing uh, i see you and your beautiful wife on the on, on instagram you stay busy work teamsters boxing referee ministry What's left for Brother Ray to do? To serve God and try to be a positive uh, influence to my children, my grandchildren, and to anybody that wants wants help, you know? I try to be the best. As a youngster, I wanted to be known as a, a tough street fighter. Now I want to be known as a godly Christian man. That's all. You know what I mean? And, and do my podcast. And do my podcast. That's it. You know? That's it, man. I appreciate you coming out, bro. Thank Anything you. you want to shout out, Ray? Somebody, where, where, where can they find you? Where can they, they check you out at? On, on Instagram and, and TikTok, go to Ref Popeye Ray. On my podcast, go on YouTube, uh, Third Man in the Ring or Ref Popeye Ray, and please subscribe. And it's just uh, the look from from us, you know, the referees, the officials, you know. Right. But yeah, check that out. And yeah, thank some, you for being on, uh, for bringing me on, brother. Yeah, I appreciate you coming through, man. Yeah. Great podcast. Great guest, man. Yeah. I saw Shane Mosley on there yeah, and yeah. Fernando Vargas on there. You, you, you've had a lot of great guests. And uh, thank you, man. 
blowing up, bro. Amen. Mikey was on there. Yeah, Robert. I'm gonna have Emilio Emilio Rivera, the actor, in a couple of weeks. Okay. You know? Once the once the union thing breaks, you know, yeah. I can't have him on until then. You know. Yeah, I know, man. Appreciate Hopefully it. that'll that'll stop for those those people yeah. and get yeah. get what they need. Big union guy right here. I'm that's sure. right. That's right. <laughs> Teamsters. Appreciate you, bro. God bless you, man. God bless you. God bless, man. Everybody. That'll conclude this episode of the Street Gospel Podcast. Check us out, man. Check Brother Ray out, man. Uh, we appreciate you guys out there. Subscribe. Send it to your friend. God bless. We love you guys. Peace.